This week, OSG Group files prepacked with near 100% acceptance. Avaya term lenders prepare for litigation after loan prices collapse. Unsolicited all-cash proposal kicks off competition for Talent Energy's assets. Bausch Health patent claims invalidated. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where we bring you the latest developments in high-yield, distressed debt, and bankruptcy. I'm Julian Boulogne, and this is The Week in Review. It's Friday, August 12th. OSG Group Holdings, a New Jersey-based provider of integrated customer communications and engagement services, filed a prepackaged Chapter 11 on Saturday, August 6th, based on an RSA entered into on May 31st with the vast majority of holders of its debt and equity, including consenting first and second lien lenders, as well as the company's sponsor, Aquiline Financial Services. Seeking to emerge this month with a proposed August 26th combined hearing on the plan and disclosure statement, the proposed restructuring would deleverage the debtor's capital structure by about $134 million and infuse approximately $70 million of new money into the company, including through committed exit financing. Through pre-petition voting, the plan garnered approval from holders of 98% of the existing first lien claims, 100% of the existing second lien claims, and 100% of sponsor contributions. The company attributed the bankruptcy filing to headwinds harming its efforts to execute its business transformation plan, which served to make its capital structure untenable in the face of potential covenant defaults and upcoming interest and principal payments. In particular, the debtors point to persistent negative industry trends, crippling malware attacks, increasing costs during a digital transition of operations, and certain business integration challenges. The plan features a $25.4 million dip facility, which includes $15 million of new money that will convert into a new equity investment in exchange for the issuance of about 29% of new convertible preferred equity and about $1.9 million of new mezzanine debt loans in respect of accrued interest on the rolled-up dip loan. $598.1 million of existing first lien claims will be replaced with $601.1 million of amended and restated first lien loans, and $157.9 million of existing second lien claims will convert into new mezzanine debt loans and 100% of the reorganized common equity. Sponsor Aqualine will exchange various secured and unsecured notes for 43.9% of new convertible preferred equity. The debtors obtained all requested first day relief at a Tuesday hearing. The hearing was uncontested, apart from the Office of the U.S. Trustee's objection to the debtor's proposed 19-day confirmation schedule, which was overruled by the court. Lenders of Avaya's $350 million incremental first lien term loan have hired litigation-focused law firm Glenn Agre as counsel and FTI as financial advisor. The hires come after the telecom services provider slashed earnings guidance for the quarter ended June 30th, issued a going concern warning, and said it would be unable to file its 10-Q on time due to a whistleblower letter. Avaya, for its part, has said that it is currently engaging with advisors, including Kirkland & Ellis, Evercore, and Alex Partners, to assess its options to address its 2023 convertible notes. The company on Tuesday reported third quarter results in line with its grim forecast, including gap revenue of $577 million for its third quarter ended June 30th, compared with $732 million in the prior year period and $716 million in the second quarter, The company's reported EBITDA for the quarter fell to $54 million as compared with $173 million reported a year earlier and $145 million reported for the second quarter. Avaya also reported free cash flow of negative $113 million for the quarter, compared with negative $14 million in the prior year period. Avaya disclosed that its audit committee has commenced an internal investigation to review matters related to the whistleblower letter, and that the committee has engaged outside counsel to assist in the investigations. In light of these developments, the company has stated that it requires additional time to review and finalize its financial disclosures and will be unable to file its Form 10-Q by the required filing date for the June quarter. 
The advisor hires come just a month after the company priced the incremental first lien loan at the highest margin for a leveraged loan this year. And investors are fuming over the rapid collapse of the loan prices and questioning why the company and its bankers did not disclose the projections during syndication. The Talon Energy Supply debtors on Wednesday said that the company has received an unsolicited proposal to purchase 100% of TES in an all-cash transaction. Last week, the debtors announced they had negotiated a revised RSA and backstop agreement with consenting unsecured note holders that includes a 92-day go-shop process for a sale of the company. Separately, the Official Committee of Unsecured Creditors filed a motion late Tuesday evening seeking derivative standing to bring claims against equity sponsor Riverstone Holdings to recover a $500 million dividend paid in 2017 as a fraudulent transfer. At an emergency hearing on Thursday, Judge Marvin Isger granted the joint motion of the Talon debtors and the third-party co-owners of debtor Talon Montana's coal strip facility to continue the August 15th hearing on certain of the co-owners' lift-stay motion. The court also granted, with modifications, the motion's request to extend and modify the August 11th court-imposed deadline for the debtors to file a Chapter 11 plan with a reasonable proposal for whether the coal strip plant will close or remain operational past 2025. The court approved the request that the coal strip proposal be made on a standalone basis, rather than as part of the plan, in light of the second amended RSA's extended September 15th plan filing milestone. The court also approved the joint request to move the proposal deadline to August 22nd. However, rather than continue the hearing on the lift state motion to August 29th as requested, the court set that date as a status conference and scheduled an evidentiary hearing on the motion for September 9th at 11 a.m. Eastern. Bausch Health on Tuesday reported second quarter 2022 revenue of about $1.97 billion, down 6.3% year-over-year from $2.1 billion. Adjusted EBITDA for the second quarter was $701 million, down 15.1% from $826 million in the prior year period. The company attributed the decrease in EBITDA to the divestment of Amun, lower gross profit, as well as higher investments in sales and marketing and research and development. Management said it remains committed to completing the Bausch Lomb spinoff as soon as it is able to satisfy all applicable conditions. On the earnings call, management said there is no time limit for when the remaining amount of Bausch Lomb equity needs to be distributed, adding that it would be able to better assess the impact of the Zyfaxon litigation on the Bausch Lomb spinoff when the court's ruling is released. CEO Thomas Appio also said that the company expects U.S. District Court Judge Andrews to find certain Zyfaxon patents invalid. Appio said Bausch strongly disagrees with the court's anticipated decision and will vigorously defend the company's intellectual property. Bausch intends to appeal, and the process could take 12 months to 18 months, according to management. As expected, U.S. District Judge Richard Andrews on Wednesday issued his opinion and found that the company's patent claims to polymorph and IBSD were invalid. Top red stories this week included New York court dismisses Moby claims against Morgan Stanley, DeMeo with prejudice, citing affirmative creditor vote on Concordato plan. Claims against DeMeo related the DFDS sale, Italian involuntary case dismissed with prejudice under two dismissal rule. Junior creditors wishing to sway RSA economics contribute almost 40% of exit capital on average. Negotiating global settlements with senior lenders on amended RSAs takes three times longer than when dealing with junior stakeholders. Endo says prearranged Chapter 11 filing by Endo International PLC and substantially all of its subsidiaries could occur imminently. Altera Infrastructure prepares Chapter 11 filing for $3.5 billion debt restructuring to ease debt service burden on cash flow. And now here's Kathy from Los Angeles with the week ahead. 
Hello, this is Kathy Tan. The week ahead is a busy week of events, so let's get started. On Monday, August 15th, the Arrow debtors will be in court to ask for an injunction halting combat arms airplugs litigation against 3M and other non-debtor affiliates. Obtaining injunctive relief is a key component to their Chapter 11 strategy to negotiate a consensual resolution of more than 200,000 tort claims. Plaintiff law firms have called the bankruptcy filing an impermissible attack by a solvent 3M to collaterally attack the multi-district litigation proceedings. On Tuesday, August 16th, the Salem Harbor Power Development debtors will seek confirmation of their amended Chapter 11 plan over the sole objection filed by arbitration judgment creditor Iberdrola Energy Projects. IEP also carried the vote for Class 5 general unsecured claims that voted to reject the plan. The debtors say the plan meets all confirmation requirements and should be confirmed. The Celsius Network debtors will also be in court that day for their second day hearing. The UCC has objected to cash management relief, asking the court to instead pause all crypto transactions and to restrict intercompany transactions. The U.S. trustee, for its part, opposes the debtors' mined Bitcoin sale motion, citing the need for more information and transparency. Also on Tuesday, August 16th, in Brazos Electric Power Cooperative, Judge David Jones will hear cross motions for summary judgment on the debtors' objections to power purchase agreement rejection-related claims asserted by subsidiary and Chapter 7 debtors Brazos Sandy Creek Electric Cooperative. The dispute is, a per is proceeding on a dual litigation and mediation track with mediation ongoing before Judge Marvin Isker. On Wednesday, August 17th, Judge Laura Taylor Swain will preside over the confirmation hearing for the Puerto Rico Highways and Transportation Authority's plan of adjustment. The plan is largely uncontested with the Oversight Board reaching a settlement with a AFAF this afternoon. The confirmation hearing is slated for two days going into Thursday, August 18th. Just Energy will also be in Canadian court on Wednesday, August 17th to seek approval of a sale and investment solicitation process for the sale of the equity interest of Just Energy U.S. The debtors say the process is the only viable going concern exit strategy available to the Just Energy entities following the loss of stakeholder support for the plan. Former plan sponsor PIMCO is the proposed stocking horse bidder with a 100 $84.9 million cash and $252.7 million credit bid. Brazos Electric Power Cooperative will return to court that same day, Wednesday, August 17th, for an extension of its exclusive plan filing and solicitation periods by 37 days to September 1st and October 31st, respectively. The extension request is tied to terms of a plan that was formed through mediation that would be filed by September 1st. Under the plan, Brazos would reorganize around a $1.8 billion securitization transaction, sell its generation assets, wind down its power supply business, and otherwise move towards a transmission and distribution cooperative model. Slated also for Wednesday, August 17th, in Ector County Energy Center is the hearing on direct energy business marketing standing motion to pursue estate claims against Ector's indirect parent, Invenergy Thermal Operating One LLC, among others. The motion has been continued several times to facilitate a consensual resolution. However, the debtor also recently filed a liquidating plan that would sidestep the motion through a release of direct energy's asserted claims. Moving on to Thursday, August 18th, the Aero debtors will be back in court for a second day hearing. In addition to seeking final first day operational relief, the debtors will push for an order enforcing the automatic stay to prohibit plaintiff's law firms from pursuing a transfer of the debtors' Chapter 11 cases to the Florida District Court handling the multi-district litigation proceedings. Shortly after the debtors' bankruptcy filing, the plaintiff's law firm, Keller Postman, filed a tag-along notice seeking such transfer, which presents a novel question of whether whether a mass tort bankruptcy case qualifies as a civil action transferable to a multi-district litigation court.
As for earnings, they will re be reported on Monday, August 15th by Weber, Wednesday, August 17th by Bath and Body Works, and Thursday, August 18th by Diamond Sports Group. That's it for me on this Friday, August 12th from Los Angeles. Fun fact, on this day in 1981, IBM introduced its first personal computer, the Model 5150, at a press conference in New York. Now back to you in New York. Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. You can find all our podcasts on the reorg.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend. We'll see you next Friday.